You are listening to a Monash Christian Union Bible Talk. We encourage you to share this with friends and family, but ask that you do not edit it without the permission of the owners. This Bible Talk is designed to supplement belonging to a local church with its teaching and community, not to replace it. We pray this talk helps you love Jesus and become more like Him. Hey everyone, my name is Xinying. I'm a focus student from Brunei, currently studying radiography at Monash Clayton. Tonight, we'll be reading Romans chapter 3, verse 21 to 31. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance, He had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time, so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. Because of what law? The law that requires works? No, because of the law that requires faith. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too, since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through that same faith. Do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. Well, it's good to see you all. Um, it's really, really great. And it's wonderful to be able, able to open up God's Word. I know it's day, what day is it? Day four. Um, I know we're all a bit tired. So why don't we um, stand up, uh, stretch, turn around and sit down again. Um, and then we'll get into this. Good to see those stretches. Okay, let's grab a seat and let's get started. On Monday, uh, we saw that the cross is the point of Jesus' life. It is the point of the whole Bible, and it is the turning point of all of history. That's right. That's right. That's why the theme is called the cross. Um, And that has shaped our method, hasn't it? Um, That we need to study the cross, number one, um, but we do that through the Bible. We let the Bible shape our understanding and interpretation, uh, make sense of the cross, Now, on Tuesday, we looked at the foundations and the framework. Um, We talked about sin being dealt with, God's wrath um, uh, and and the penalty of death uh, borne by Jesus on the cross, which significantly showed us how good God is, um, how good the crucified Christ is. And tonight, um, we're looking at the interior of the house. Remember that, that sort of analogy? Uh, we're looking at the interior and we're considering the floor plan, what it's like to live inside the house. Um, let me pray for us as we do that. Let's pray. Um, Heavenly Father, we thank you for another night when we can study your word together, where we can consider um, different facets and, and aspects of your cross. 
Um, Please give us concentration even in our tiredness. Help us to uh, think deeply and to wrestle with your word and to live in response even as we've already started to be encouraged by. And we ask this for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Now, it's fascinating that Lara was talking about guilt before um, because guilt and its close cousin shame are so powerful, aren't they? They condemn us. Um, sometimes it, ma- it motivates us to do all sorts of different things, whether it's good or whether it's bad. Sometimes it leads us to, do, to totally irrational and uncharacteristic things. Guilt hangs heavy around us. And that's quite painful, isn't it? Having the burden of guilt to bear. And in our society, we don't like pain. We don't like guilt. We don't like that discomfort. And so we try to avoid it, don't we? There are all sorts of different ways that we deal with guilt. I think if you look around, you'll notice there's lots of different ways. Sometimes we try to rationalize guilt. Um, You know, I feel a bit guilty for eating that chocolate bar I really shouldn't have. But, you know, I really deserved it. I went for a run. Maybe more seriously... Um, You're sleeping with your girlfriend or your boyfriend and you know you shouldn't. But it's okay. We love each other. It's okay. We try to justify the pain of guilt. We try to make it okay. We even have that term, guilty pleasure. And even in our world today, well, even worse, when we're given up to our sin, we can even end up celebrating with pride our guilt. Now, other times we, we try to cover up our guilt. If we think about different ways that we deal with guilt, we rationalize it sometimes. Sometimes we try to cover it up. Um, think about all the different ways that you've heard of cover-ups of what's happened. You can look at, um, I, I, don't, I don't know much about American politics, but it seems that there's some sort of cover-up going on there. You think about all those important people and their multi-million dollar payouts and that sort of thing. The Tour de France is starting this Friday. Think about Lance Armstrong. I don't know if you know him. He won the tour eight times. And then he, it was kind of obvious that he, had, he, he was guilty of doping. Um, when the case came to court, a few million dollars went here, a few million dollars went there. A couple of non-disclosure agreements were signed. Guilt covered up. Other ways we deal with guilt, we try to appease it. Sometimes we try to do good or do something else to make up for it. You know, the classic line in a movie is the the cheating spouse goes and buys extra jewellery to to make up for... Or maybe more seriously for us. Um, You know, you feel like you've let your parents down again. You said you were going to do something, but you didn't. And so you're guilted into making an extra commitment for them to, to, to go that extra mile. You're trying to appease your guilt. Maybe another way that we deal with guilt, there are so many different ways, maybe another way is we try to numb it. Maybe we numb it by binge-watching something. Maybe we, we numb it with, with some substance or some other form of escapism. And too often that's addictive and so destructive. There are many ways that we try to deal with guilt, aren't there? but none of those really deal with it. And if we're honest, 
Our guilt still lingers, condemning us. How does the cross deal with our guilt? That's what we're exploring tonight. And we're going to give away the answer really early. How does the cross deal with guilt and the condemnation of guilt? Surprisingly simply, at the cross, believers are justified. That is, we're declared righteous. I want, I want you to keep your Bibles open. We, we're reading from Romans chapter 3. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, what does it say? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. Romans 3, 23 and 24. It's from the Bible reading today. You've spent time in your seminars, haven't you? Understanding what justification means. That legal term, you think about the law court, all that sort of thing. It's a declaration that you are right, that you are not guilty. And so that means the guilt and the shame of sin has been removed from you. Think about the ways that we talked about just before, all those different ways that we typically deal with guilt. Rationalizing it, numbing it, appeasing it, covering it up. None of those, and no one can deal with guilt. We can't do anything about it. We need a righteous judge to say and declare, you are not guilty. You are not guilty. You don't have to be condemned. And the cross enables God to do that, to rightly justify us. That's good news, isn't it? In Jesus, we can be certain our guilt is no more. As he's removed our guilt and as he's removed our shame, what's happened to it? What's happened instead? It's been replaced by Jesus' righteousness, hasn't it? from that perfect life that he lived. Keep looking in Romans chapter 3. I want, you to, I want to see you opening up your Bibles. Keeping looking in Romans chapter 3, verse 21. Make sure I'm saying what the Bible says. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. 3 verse 22. This righteousness is given through faith in Christ Jesus to all who believe. There's kind of been an identity swap, hasn't it? That's what it's talking about. If you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it talks about it in a similar way, similar language. God made him who had no sin, that's Jesus, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The penalty for our sin borne by Jesus, we saw that, we saw that on Tuesday, his righteousness is now ours. That's mind-boggling. Now, um, my wife, she's pretty creative. Um, and one of the things she does is um, she tries to help our kids be creative. And what she's done is she's gotten these, um, they're not like this, it's, it's a cloth, a bit like this. Um, but instead of being white, it's colourful and bright. Um, and this allows the kids to become all sorts of different things with a bit of their imagination. So you could wear um, the cloth as a cape. 
and then all of a sudden you're a superhero. It's pretty cool. Um, what else can you do? You can, you can wear it as a bib. Um, you just fold it up the right way, and you wear it as a bib. And then all of a sudden, when you're playing mums and dads, you're the baby. Pretty good. And my favourite, you um, tuck it in to your back, and then you crawl around. Meow, meow, meow. And you're a cat. It's great. And it's a bit like that, isn't it? When we think about Jesus' righteousness, it clothes us, and then we become someone else. We no longer are guilty. But it's totally different as well, isn't it? Because in no way are we contributing to our righteousness. All that we have is guilt and shame. All we deserve is condemnation. And yet in Jesus, in him, we might become the righteousness of God. There's a uniting to Jesus that allows us to be identified in him. That his righteousness is what clothes us. And now and on judgment day to come, we are seen with Jesus' righteousness. And so because of the cross, we truly are declared not guilty. Declared by the judge, justified. And just as Lara was talking about before, when you have your guilt removed, you can take a breath and you can feel lighter, can't you? There's a freeingness, a burden lifted. But how do we receive? How, how do we receive that judgment, that, that, that declaration justified? Well, I, I'm sure we've all heard it. I'm sure we've all seen it from Romans. That is, we receive it through faith. Through faith in Jesus' work on the cross. Chapter, uh, Romans chapter 3 again in your Bibles, verse 22 again. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Righteousness from Jesus given to us, we simply believe. That righteousness is an external righteousness to us, isn't it? It's Jesus' righteousness. We, we've, that's been obvious. That's been clear. It's external, which means there's nothing that we can do to generate it. It must come from outside of us. We don't find it in ourselves. We don't need to look within. We don't need to trust in ourselves something from within. We have to look outside. And that's absolutely fascinating given the moment that we live in this world today. This cultural moment says you need to own your own identity. You need to be true to yourself. What does that mean? That means you need to look inside to find out who you are. That means you need to look inside and whatever you see, you be that person and you be true to yourself. And if you don't do that, that's wrong. But brothers and sisters, we know that that's quite anxiety-inducing. Can I see actually anything good within? And what happens 
if I don't know what I'm seeing inside, if it's just empty or, or I haven't figured it out yet, or, or, or one day I see this and the next day I see that, who am I? Life has no certainty. It almost sounds a bit like you're in lockdown, whether you're going in or out or in or out. But instead of being able to blame someone else, you know, Dan Andrews, um, or, or COVID, COVID, um, <laughs> when the inevitable happens, when I change, am I this or am I that? When, when that happens, when you get confused, who have you got to blame but yourself? Because you have to look within. And even worse, because we know as we've read the Bible, when we do look within, what do we see? Sin. Guilt. Shame. Sure, it might be hidden away and pushed aside or covered up, but it's there. How, 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 do, I, how do I be myself? How do I own my identity when, when, when my identity within is, is shame and guilt? We talked already, the world has so many different ways to deal with guilt. But how much better is the gospel? How much better? As we trust in Jesus, the momentous news of his death and resurrection, Jesus has dealt with it. If you look in your Bibles again, Romans, we're going to go to chapter 4, verse 25, just a page across. Chapter 4, verse 25. He was delivered over to death for our sins and raised to life for our justification. And therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. Peace through our Lord Jesus Christ. As we have faith in Jesus, the effect for us, sin paid for, guilt removed, with confidence and with certainty, because it's not found from within. It's not when we look inside. It's as we look to Jesus and as we trust to Him, trust in Him. This isn't just something um, uh, that that Paul in Romans has made up. This is something that even Jesus talks about. So what we're going to do is we're going to read a story. Um, that Jesus told about two different people. I'm going to read it. Um, It's from Luke chapter 18. And so um, turn to Luke chapter 18, actually. I'm going to ask you a question, actually. There's a question that's going to come up on the screen. Um, How do the different characters seek justification? I'm going to read this passage, and you're going to talk to the people next to you and answer that question. How do the different characters seek justification? So Luke chapter 18, um, starting at verse 9. I've got a different version to the one I've been using throughout the other night, so I apologize for that. Um, So Luke chapter 18, verse 9. This is Jesus talking. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed I prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, 
extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, will not even lift his eyes up to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified, rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who exalts himself uh, the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Take a moment, discuss with the people next to you. If you would like, you can stand up to discuss. Uh, discuss with the people next to you. How do the different characters seek justification? Okay, let's come back together. Let's come back together. So there are two different characters, the Pharisee and the tax collector. There's two clear different attempts to be righteous. We saw that, didn't we? It's, it's pretty clear. It's, it's in there. The Pharisee, what did he do? He trusted in himself. I do these things. I fast twice a week. And, and that just led to his condemnation. And the tax collector, disrespected, looked down upon with contempt, he looked to God and said, have mercy. And he received it. He was justified. That's what it says. In the past, in the present, and in the future, the way to be justified is by simply looking to God and specifically in Jesus and his work on the cross and trusting him. And as we consider the guilt in our lives, the shame, the condemnation that we bear, how do we deal with it? The picture painted in the scriptures, bring it to Jesus, look to him. In light of the cross, our deepest darkest, most shameful guilt doesn't need to hide. As we trust in Jesus, we can be certain that we are justified. There is nothing to fear. There is nothing for us to do. And so if you're feeling burdened, brothers and sisters, I have good news for you. As the song says, nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to your cross I cling. It's clear, isn't it? It's emphatic. We cannot and do not contribute anything to our justification. It is only by faith. But we like to do stuff. I know we can't sit still. We, we, we always ask, and, and, and now that the guilt has been taken away, what are we supposed to do? Well, not only is the guilt removed for our justification, but much more than that, we have the benefit of freedom, don't we? We can live freely. 
Romans chapter 8, verse 1 on the screen. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. We've been completely justified in Christ. Completely. We face no condemnation. And through Christ, um, we have life. We are freed from sin and we are freed to live. I know as we were talking about um, justification in our seminars, we had that courtroom scene. And in the courtroom, who's the person who walks out with freedom? It's the person who's declared righteous. And that is who we are. And so that's what we get to do. Our response is freedom. There's no burden. There's no requirement. But I do want to warn us that we need to stay in this freedom. Um, I want you to turn to Galatians in your Bibles because we're going to look at a couple of passages in Galatians. So Galatians chapter 5. It's good to hear the pages flicking. That's really, really encouraging. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1. Um, it's good to see the fingers scrolling as well. No judgment. Just a little bit, not much. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, thanks. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. That's a warning. Do not. And that's an offensive warning when you think about it. I know when I was at uni, there was nothing I wanted better, nothing I wanted more than independence. I wanted my own car. I wanted my own job. I wanted my own place. I wanted to live away from my family. But independence was actually self-dependence, isn't it? And the warning that we hear in Galatians 5.1 is don't try to be self-dependent. Don't try to do something more. Remain in Jesus, brothers and sisters. Remain in him, dependent upon Christ. Don't regress now that you've been justified and think that you need to do anything to stay that way. Can you imagine this conversation? Perhaps you've, you've been in a conversation like this, um, maybe with someone here. You're talking about church, and you say, I've missed you. You weren't at church on Sunday. And in all humility, they respond and they confess. Oh, I gave into sin, sexual sin this weekend, and I just felt so, I just felt so bad and so wrong. I just couldn't go into church, like straight after that. Maybe that's us. When I feel the guilt and shame of my sin, when it's so close, when it's so heavy, how can I walk through those doors and go into church? I, 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 need, to, I, I need some time. I need some distance. Maybe I pray, Jesus, please, please don't come, up, come back today. Maybe just give me another day or two. Just so I have a bit of chance to you know, get, get things right. I, I just want to... 
I just want to read the Bible first and pray, and, and, and maybe, maybe in a couple of days I'll be ready. I'll be ready to, to, to go to see you or, or read the Bible again with, with brothers and sisters or, or go to church. I don't know if you've had that conversation. I know I have, or something like it. It's right to hate sin. And it's good to be driven to keep reading the Bible and to confess and repent. That They're good things to do. But we need to keep remembering that the removal of our guilt and shame is done completely on the cross. Completely. And the warning... If, if our first response to sin is, what do I need to do? I just need to do something to... Consider if we are undoing the work of Christ on the cross. Flick a page or two back to Galatians chapter 2, verse 21. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law... Christ died for nothing. If we're looking to ourselves, what can I do? If we're ignoring God's grace, we're undermining the cross. We're effectively saying, Jesus, you did not have to die. That's making the cross insufficient. And even worse, it's making it unnecessary. Now, that's a big statement, but it's there, isn't it? The response to, what do I do now that I've sinned? You're not burdened to have to do anything. A couple of verses up in verse 16. We know that a person is not justified by works of the law. So it's Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. We know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. You are free to simply look on, depend upon, trust in, Jesus who died and rose again. And it's vital for us to remember, isn't it? As we confess our sin, it's vital for us to remember that we truly are forgiven. And so let me encourage you from um, 1 John 1, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. It's good to keep remembering that. But going back to what we were saying, our justification means that we have Freedom. And that freedom is not used to keep us justified. It's a freedom for life in Christ. Looking at Galatians 2 again, Galatians 2 verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. What that free life in Christ looks like 
is a life through Jesus, dependence upon him. That is, the work of Christ does not stop at justification, but it continues in our lives as we live through him. Think of it as living vicariously. Maybe that re- <laughs> If I think about living vicariously and how I typically do it, well, it's usually through my brother, let's be honest. Um, I know a couple of you know my brother, um, but let me, let's think about myself. So I, um, I used to work in a lab. I live in suburbia. And my typical, uh, an ideal holiday would be one where I get to sleep. Okay, That's me. But my brother, he's so much cooler than me. He used to design cars. Um, uh, he, he lives next to the beach. And a typical holiday, actually he's on a holiday now, um, is to go scuba diving around the world. And so he just sends me photos of, you know, coral here, coral there. He's so much cooler than, than I am. Um, and I often feel cooler talking about him. Like, that's what I'm doing now, isn't it? Living my life vicariously through my brother. I'm getting my cool points. Which is pretty pathetic, isn't it? <laughs> and and it's, it's, it's lame to be, for me to be living my life through my brother. But the life we live through Jesus, it's a real life. Not this pretend vicarious living that I do. Um, it's a real life, and it's a real life of freedom. Freedom. Um, when you want to figure out what a word means, you go to Wikipedia. So freedom in Wikipedia. Um, freedom is understanding, is understood, sorry, it's understood, as either having the ability to act um, or change without constraint. So that's one thing, ability to act or change without constraint. Um, or to possess the power and resources to fulfill one's purposes. And on both those counts, the ability to act um, freely and uh, the ability to to fulfill one's purposes, there really is true freedom in Christ. And not that we should be using Wikipedia to do theology, but I, I think the point is here. Firstly, if we consider the burden and the shame of condemnation, of guilt, that's a huge constraint. That really affects our ability to act. And actually, if you think about it, if you're dead in sin, you cannot act. And secondly, if you think about the purpose, um, freedom is, is part of the purpose to be able to, um, the, uh, possessing the power and the resources to fulfill your purposes. Think about that purpose, how God has made us to live. And that in Christ we live. So let's think about Christ's life. He lived righteously. He lived as the image of God. He lived the perfect life. He fulfilled all of humanity's purposes. And so life in him is life empowered, life resourced to live according to our purpose. That is freedom. So where have we come? Where have we come tonight? We started by thinking about guilt um, and all the ineffective ways that we might try to deal with it. 
But through the work of the cross, Jesus has justified us. We receive that by faith. Nothing we do makes us more right. And when we sin, when we sin, the good news is still good news. We are still justified by faith. We're not left to be burdened by sin as if we we simply have a righteous facade over us. No, we have a new identity in Christ through whom we live freely. The way that God made us to live. Now we've heard from Bryn um, already that tonight we're thinking about responses. Thinking about how do we respond? Everyone has responsibility. For the Christian, my question is, how do we keep justifying ourselves? How are we tempted to justify ourselves apart from Jesus? Maybe it's trying to appease our guilt and saying yes to, to, to serving um, and taking that serving opportunity because oh, we feel guilty if we don't. Uh, maybe it's trying to rationalize it. I can imagine for many of us, we come home from summit and we go, oh, I just stuffed up, but it's okay. I just spent five days reading the Bible and, and so I'm trying to rationalize it. It's okay. I'm trying to justify it. Maybe there's something else that we do to think that we're okay with God. What is it that you do? How can that answer actually be Jesus and his cross? Turning to him again and again, trusting that he has paid it all. And it's not just true for the Christians, but it's also important for us to consider if we're not Christians, for those who haven't turned to Jesus before. If you haven't put your faith in him, as Bryn was suggesting earlier, we would love to invite you to do that. We've been exploring the cross all week. We've been considering what the Bible says all over about who Jesus is and what he's done on the cross and what that actually means. We've seen how it deals with guilt and sin. And that's really good news. And perhaps as we've been opening up the Bible together, you've started to realize that you would like to trust him. I want to encourage you. That is a good thing to do. It's a really good thing to do. And it's really simple. Let me talk to you about how how that might happen. Um, There's a prayer that's going to come up on the screen. It's just up here. And you could just simply say a prayer just like this. Um, Heavenly Father, I'm sorry for my sin, for rejecting you. I deserve death and your wrath. I need you. Thank you for Jesus and his work on the cross. Thank you for the forgiveness it achieves. Thank you that I can be free from condemnation. Please forgive me that I may have life. That might be a prayer that you might like to pray. I'm going to invite Bryn to come up and talk to us about um, our next steps and what we're going to be doing as a, as a meeting um, and, and what, what's, um, how we might uh, respond with this later. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this Monash Christian Union Bible Talk. We long to see everyone at Monash University know a disciple-making disciple of Jesus Christ. If you have been blessed by this ministry and would love to support Monash Christian Union, 
you can do so via the link in the podcast description.